Right now, there is no stopping the Cleveland Indians. Welcome to the Streak Podcast. In 2017, the Cleveland Indians went on an unprecedented, record-setting 22-game winning streak. You may never see anything quite like this again. For the next three weeks, you can hear each game as it happened, night after night, on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. History continues to march on. On the Streak Podcast, we'll get the stories from the players, coaches, manager Terry Francona, and others from the voice of the tribe, Tom Hamilton and Jim Rosenhouse. Now, let's relive one of the greatest stretches of play in Indians and baseball history. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Episode 7 of The Streak. Jim Rosenhouse here, and along with the voice of the tribe, Tom Hamilton, we're bringing you some of the great stories of the Indians' 22-game winning streak at the tail end of that 2017 season. And it's all coinciding with the radio broadcasts of those games that are running right now on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network and Indians.com. In a little bit, we'll hear from the architect of the roster that played well enough to win game after game for three weeks straight and in the process established an American League record and many think a Major League record too. That's Indians president of baseball operations, Chris Antonetti. Before Chris stops by, we first take a look back at a doubleheader sweep in New York over a good Yankees ball club, and those were wins six and seven of the 22-game streak. Game one, two first-inning runs, one on a passed ball and another on an RBI single by Yandy Diaz gave the Indians a lead they'd never relinquish thanks to Trevor Bauer and the bullpen. Full count now on Judge. Brett Gardner, the leadoff hitter, waits on deck. Two to one Indians. Ninth inning, Yankees with two outs down to their last strike. Here's the payoff pitch from Allen. Swing and a miss, ball game. It was the high heat from Cody Allen and he struck out Aaron Judge to end the ball game. What a job today by Trevor Bauer, Tyler Olson, Brian Shaw, and Cody Allen. And here in game one, the Indians win their sixth in a row. They beat the New York Yankees by a final score of two to one. Then in game two, that familiar formula of scoring early and often paid off again for the tribe. And again, it was Yandy Diaz coming through in a big way. Now the 2-1 pitch. Swung on, ground ball, base hit in the hole and into left field. That'll score Encarnacion. Santana being waved home. Throw to the plate is cut off. In sliding is Santana, and Diaz has delivered again. A two-run base hit to left. The Indians lead 4 to nothing, And Yandy Diaz had a RBI single in game one and a two-run single in game two, both in the first inning. He might be a hard guy to get out of that lineup. Then later in the game, the trio of Edwin Encarnacion, Jan Gomes, and Francisco Lindor brought thunder to put the game away. Here's the one-two. Swung on, and there's a high fly ball to left. Gardner goes back with a courtesy look. This one's in the seats. Home run, Encarnacion. One of his classic moonshots way up there, and Edwin Encarnacion makes it 5-1 to one Tribe. Number 31 for Encarnacion. Now the 0-1 pitch. Swung on, blasted to deep right. 
down the line it goes. It is gone. A two-run home run inside the foul pole and right for Jan Gomes. It's 8-1 to one Indians here in the seventh. Gomes hits his 10th home run, giving him 46 RBIs. And the Indians have a route. And they are on their way to a doubleheader sweep. Now the wind and the pitch to Lindor. It's swung on and hammered. High and deep to left field and gone. Frankie Lindor hits his 25th. Ten of them right-handed. A moonshot in the Bronx. Nine to one Indians. What a day for Frankie Lindor. Four hits in the doubleheader. Up 9-4 in the ninth inning, Zach McAllister finished things up for the Indians. McAllister comes set, and the right-hander deals. A swing and another pop-up. This again by the mound. This time the third baseman, Urshela, makes the catch. Ball game. So the Cleveland Indians have swept the doubleheader from the Yankees. They have swept the three-game series, something they haven't done in New York. A three-game sweep of a series since 1989. They do it in dominating fashion, winning the second game here tonight, 9-4. to four. And it was right around this time with the win streak at 7 and a sweep in New York complete that you thought the Indians are playing really good baseball. But 22-game win streak good? Now, come on now. That would be ridiculous, right? Well, it's time now to settle in and hear a great conversation between Tom Hamilton and Chris Antonetti. Chris was in his 19th season a couple of years back with the Indians front office and his second as president of baseball operations after a stint as the general manager. And as he mentioned to Hammy, he really liked that 2017 ball club as a whole as much as any that he had put together during his time as GM or president of baseball ops. Well, Chris, when you, you think back to the, the 22 games, I mean, overall, is there anything that kind of stands out to you or, or what are your memories of it? I think with the benefit of hindsight, it's such an extraordinary accomplishment by a great group of guys. I think that was one of the best teams we've had, not just in terms of the talent on the field, but the way in which they came together and, and bonded. And so it was an extraordinary accomplishment. But the, the remarkable thing is in the moment, well, as the games were just ticking by, it seemed almost normal because of the incredible atmosphere that Tito creates in the clubhouse where every day we show up, there's an expectation of winning. And the focus is what do we need to, de- to do today to win tonight's game? And that was never more evident than during the streak. You know, you kind of look back at it and whether it was a World Series hangover or whatever, the club just kind of it just never seemed like it was kicking it into gear, even coming off the all-star break and starting out in the Bay area. And then they win nine in a row when we got home, kind of went 21 and 11, I believe it was prior to the streak. So it it looked like the club had kind of reestablished itself, but I mean, could you have, did you feel like it was starting to play its best ball? I mean, could you sense maybe not 22 in a row, Chris, but that things were starting to come together? I think we felt really good about the, the group of players, but were admittedly a little bit frustrated that we hadn't come together and played maybe to our capabilities. And I was actually on that trip after the break in the Bay Area, and we just didn't play very well. And 
especially against a San Francisco team that we felt we were better than. But um, I think there was this still underlying belief in the clubhouse that we were going to find a time to figure this out. We hadn't yet hit our stride. Again, didn't expect it to be 22 wins in a row, but we're optimistic that we had our best baseball in front of us, and that obviously played out that way. How do you not, though, look at a ball club and go, wait a minute, we don't have Chisinau, who was playing really well at that time. We don't have Kipnis. Now we lose Brantley. Uh, we, Tomlin's hurt. Salazar's hurt. Andrew Miller pitched in one game during that stretch. I mean, at some point, do you ever, as a GM, go, or as a president, in your case, go, you know, we, we put together a heck of a team, but this is out of our control. It's, there's nothing we can do about it? Uh, we certainly have those moments of frustration, but I think we always try to flip that quickly, Tom. Like, we can't feel sorry for ourselves. No one, the team on the other side of the field or in the other dugout doesn't care what injuries we've had. Our, our job as an organization is to find a way to overcome them. And again, going back to the leadership that Tito provides and his mindset, he does such an extraordinary job of turning the page and trying to figure out how do we take the group of guys that we do have here today and try to win that game. And our job and our responsibility is always to be looking for, okay, if we need to make some adjustments, how do we make some adjustments to this group to improve our options? Do you almost get more pride in when you look back at it now, the fact that you had all these guys either coming off the bench or coming up from Columbus that were such key contributors with all of those guys hurt? I mean, you look back at some of the names and a lot of them aren't with us now because you, you move them to get other pieces. But if you looked at some of those lineups, you would say, well, that, that, that looks like a September lineup after you've clinched the pennant. Yeah, I do think that was one of the things that was – one of the highlights from that straight, Tom, is it was such an organizational accomplishment. And we talk a lot about the importance of, you know, everyone coming together to contribute towards something. And that was never more evident than those 22 games because we had guys contributing from, you know, guys that were counting on our regulars, guys that came up from Columbus, a few guys that came up from Akron, guys that came in from outside the organization like Jay Bruce. And it really was a, a collective effort that, that led to the, that streak. And, um, you, know, you look back and guys like I think Ryan Merritt made two starts and won yeah. a couple of games during that streak. And there are a handful of other guys you may have, may not recall as well, but um, yeah, everyone contributed. You know, Chris, you, you mentioned Jay Bruce and, and that was such a critical blow. You lose Michael Brantley and everyone knows how important Michael Brantley was to this ball club. And it's no longer the trading deadline. We're in August. So it's usually awfully hard to get a player of any significance. How are you able to get Jay Bruce? And what did you think that he brought to the ball club that, that made such an impact? Obviously the numbers, but other intangibles. So August is a difficult time to do trades. As we know, the trade deadline happens July 31st. After that point, the only way you can get a player is, is either claim them on waivers or a player that has gone through waivers and a team is then free to trade them. In Jay's case, the Reds had asked waivers on very early in the period, I think right around August 1st. And at that point, he had already cleared, meaning no team claimed his contract, so he was available to be traded. And the night Michael got injured in the outfield with his ankle, we actually called the Reds that night and, and tried to, to begin working towards a deal. And we're fortunate we had the, you know, we had the resources to be able to do it. And it was another great example of our ownership really stepping forward and giving us the opportunity and resources to try to improve our team as we seek to win a World Series. You and Cherney, though, are very careful when you've got a ball club that looks like it's obviously going to play come October, that 
it's a delicate balance when you add somebody and who you add and whatnot. What goes into that, Chris? What did you see out of Jay that you said, okay, he'll, he'll fit our culture, he'll fit our clubhouse? We spend a lot of time on that, Tom. It's not only for us trying to acquire players who have the skills and ability to contribute on the field, but how will they fit into the dynamic of our team? Um, and that's something we place a great deal of emphasis on. In Jay's case, we spent had a chance to know him. We played against him a bunch. We had know a lot of players that played with him. So we did our homework and talking to not only other players, but staff that have been around him. And everyone came back and said, this guy will fit in seamlessly in your clubhouse and I will actually help enhance your environment. And Jay certainly did that. You know, another guy that kind of, when you, you look at it, with Andrew Miller pitching one time in that three-week stretch, you also went out and got Joe Smith. And Joe Smith really helped this ball club in the bullpen. He really did. But in, in a couple of ways, Tom, not only with how effectively he pitched, but he's such a even-keeled guy that's been in a lot of pressure situations that he also helped, you know, when you have those moments in the bullpen, there's almost can create a life of its own. And Joe is always that stabilizing presence and says, Hey guys, we'll be fine. We're going to figure this out. Just when the phone rings, get ready to do your job and things are going to be fine. And Joe just does such a great job with that. And he's made such an impact on us multiple times in his career with us. Chris, is there a point now the year before the club had won 14 in a row, but is, is there a point when a club does start going on a run that it kind of grabs your attention? I know you're day to day, but I mean, at what point does the streak to you go, oh, there, there's something here? So for me, as I reflect back on it, there were a couple of times that I think where it hit home when we won our 14th game in a row, which matched the, the number of wins from the season before. That was like, wow, that's pretty impressive that we had two really long streaks and back-to-back seasons. And I think it's a testament to the quality of the players that we have here in Pio's leadership. And then the 20th game was another one where I remember that being 20 wins in a row is a lot. Like we haven't lost in almost three weeks. That's a odd feeling to have because normally, you know, when you, when you lose a game, you kind of had a hangover feeling the next day, you have to shake it off and then you know, kind of pick it back up and get ready for the game ahead that night. But to not have that feeling for almost three weeks was incredible. And then the, obviously the 22nd game and the way we won that and the, the environment in the ballpark when Jay hit that ball down the line, that's something I'll never forget. Tito said after that win with Frankie tying it down to his last strike, he looked at Mills and he goes, you know what? We may never lose again. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you get that feeling? You did, it, it, it did almost feel like that. It almost became like we just literally, okay, we're just going to show up today and we'll find a way. We'll prepare and we'll, we're going to win the night's game. And um, especially after that game with Jay and, and Fred, you said coming down the last strike and Frankie hitting the double. Um, yeah, you, you do get that feeling that we may never lose again. It's a, it's a rare feeling to have because usually in baseball, it feels the other way. Like, are we ever going to win again? Um, and in this case, it was the opposite. Well, think of it, Chris. We talk about how tough it is to sweep a four-game series as compared to a three-game series. Right. And now you're talking about sweeping almost six four-game series. I mean, it, do you think of it now and you go, how did this happen? Yeah, there is a little bit of that. And I think when you look back, and I mean, it's rare that you – baseball's been played a really long time. And to see something that's never happened before like that, especially an accomplishment over that amount of time. I mean, it's three and a half weeks of baseball. Uh, I think it's a, a great achievement. And I do look back on that. And, and uh, those will always be fond memories because it's not something I expect to see again in my lifetime. Were you hearing from your peers 
during this stretch at all from other guys in your position? Yeah, I, I think right around that time, once we got to 18, 19 games, the, a lot of texts and calls started to come flooding in and um, wishing us luck and telling us how fun it was to watch. So, yeah, there were a lot of people around the game that were reaching out to us. Okay, what about you and Cherney? I mean, did you sit in the same chair? I mean, are you superstitious? Did anything like that happen? I'm not superstitious, uh, and Mike isn't either. I mean, we have routines that we follow and kind of where we watch the game. We're, we all usually watch from a suite together, a whole baseball operations group. And uh, it was a pretty cool environment in the in the suite around that time because you know, we're just enjoying every moment. And like like Peter said, you almost were, couldn't wait to see how we would find a way to win tonight's game. So uh, it was fun. Chris, you guys have to always look at the big picture and have to look at things um, maybe differently than the rest of us do as fans or broadcasters or whatever. I mean, as dumb as this question sounds, is there ever a point where you're like, boy, we, we need this thing to end? This is taking on such a life of its own that it's, you know, overshadowing everything and we got the playoffs. I mean, was there ever any of that sense? So that was another great thing, Tom, I think, because it wasn't an obsession or a focus of our players or Tito and staff, and you never got this feeling that it was consuming us or them, that it didn't raise, it didn't raise concern. Now, had we gone through the rest of the month of September and you know, not been able to pick and choose spots to rest guys, maybe that would have crept into to our mindset. But because of the way our players and Tito approached it, of like, hey, this is just another game. We're going to go out there and try to win tonight's game. Um, we never really got too concerned about it. If you've got time to reflect, Chris, when you look back, are there some things that jump out at you more or astound you more or anything of that nature? I think that just how well we played, obviously to win 22 games in a row, you need to play, play good baseball. But when you look at it, I think our run differential was among the best or the best ever for any 22 game stretch. And we, I mean, we have the memories of some of those close games and dramatic wins like Jay Bruce's walk-off, but I think that may have been the only walk-off of the streak. Like, we just – we played great baseball. And, you know, more often than not, we created some distance and really um, played well and, and, and didn't have too many nail-biters. And I think that was just a testament to how well we played because I don't think we'll, again, go through a stretch of 22 games where we outscore our opponents by that much. Well, and your philosophy, and I know – it coincides with Tito. Whenever you think you have enough pitching, you, you try and go get more. But, I mean, that was never more evident, was it? You only allowed 37 runs in 22 games, seven shutouts. Yeah. That was, um, again, a collective effort. And, and it, any guy who we asked to contribute during that stretch or got an opportunity found a way to help the team out. And I think, you know, again, on our pitching staff did such an extraordinary job. And then we found a way. I just always remember feeling, I always felt like we we're up 4 nothing or 3 nothing by the second inning. And that's a really good way to play baseball. Now, if we can find a way to recreate that and do that every year, <laughs> you'd sign up for it. Could you enjoy it when it was going on? Yeah, I, I really did. I think um, in those moments, it was we tried to be cognizant there. Those times along the way in baseball where you really try to step back and say, okay, let's not get so focused on the day-to-day. -day. Let's try to step back and enjoy it. And I think we were able to do that during that stretch and appreciate it for what it was, knowing that at some point it might come to an end. But we certainly delayed it for as long as we possibly could. 
By right there, that's what makes Chris and also General Manager Mike Chernoff so good at what they do. They don't get caught up in the moment, so it was fun to hear how impressed Chris was with that 22-game streak. So that's our look back at uh, some of the the key figures in the 22-game win streak for this episode of The Streak, and also a look back at wins number 6 and 7. Now, if you're listening to this podcast on Monday, May the 11th, don't forget to tune in tonight to the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network and Indians.com for game number 8 of The Streak. The Indians, it's another doubleheader. They're in Detroit. And they'll take on the Tigers in the opener of that twin bill. However, that'll do it for this episode of The Streak. Thanks, as always, going out to Brian Motze and Bob Coates at iHeartMedia for their production help. Bart Swain and Court Berry Tripp of Indians PR. And thanks so much to Indians President of Baseball Operations, Chris Antonetti, for joining Tom Hamilton. I'm Jim Rosenhouse. Thanks for taking the time to listen. And we will talk to you next time on the streak the indians historical streak marches on thanks for listening to the streak podcast the inside stories from one of the greatest stretches of play in indians and baseball history your companion to the nightly game broadcast on the cleveland clinic indians radio network